Thank you for joining us for our Renewal City Church podcast. If you're looking for ways to get involved, join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Roxy Theater in Longview, or find us online at rcclongview.org. We hope you're blessed and that this message finds you well. All right, I think we're about ready to get started. So um, I wanted to reintroduce myself. Uh, I see some new faces. Uh, my name is Ryan Motes. I am a uh, member of Renewal City Church, a part of the leadership team here. Uh, I get the privilege of speaking to you about empathy. Uh, I'm going to go dive into that a little bit later, but I first wanted to give you a little bit uh, about myself. So I'm married to Amber Motes, which you guys got to hear from her a handful of weeks ago uh, about Sabbath and rest and her teaching. Uh, I can almost guarantee it's going to be better than mine. I'm the lesser half of the... Uh, the Amber Ryan power couple that I, I'll claim that, I'll claim it. Uh, and then I have uh, four kiddos, uh, not so little anymore. Uh, I have Jamin, who is 11, he's the blonde, blue-eyed, cute kiddo that's exploring all the, all the little kids he loves to like hang out with. Uh, I've got Titus, who's six, who's uh, dressed up in a leather jacket right now because he's, uh, he's the monkey from, Johnny from, Sing or the Fonz, whichever one we want to go with. Uh, and then I've also got Zeke, who is four. He's our cute, cute little guy. Uh, we love him. And then Jacob, who some of you guys have met before. He's our 20-year-old that is off in the army. Uh, this morning, I will say that I, I shared with uh, Titus that I was getting ready to teach this morning. And he go. I, I was looking for maybe like a... Oh, I'm so excited, Dad. I love you. Give me a kiss, that kind of thing. Um, his request was that I don't teach about God this morning and we just do Pokemon videos. So um, I've got 35 minutes of YouTube videos that we're just going to scroll through. You can tell me at the end whether you're a Charmander fan or a Pikachu, whichever one. Uh, but he is, uh, he really, really wanted that. So we're probably not going to listen to the teaching tomorrow when I review it. We're just going to watch a YouTube video. So. Um, I also, one thing to know about me is I kind of live uh, just right on that edge of either uh, joy and laughter or just uh, a puddle of tears. I'm just kind of right on that, that fringe of always getting pushed over into that. And you'll learn that pretty quickly in this teaching because I will probably lose it. Um, just a fair warning. Okay, before, again, we get started, I wanted to just shout out the, 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 the series that we've been in, um, in Matthew 11, 28. 30, uh, learn from me. And I just, I re-listened to a lot of the, the teachings um, in preparation for like inspiration and, and nuggets of just like uh, great uh, teaching. And I've just been so thoroughly impressed with all that I've uh, shared uh, previously on Sundays. And just, I've been blown away with how much I'm getting from that. And I, it's because I love collaborative, like brainstorming and learning and so to hear different people's perspectives on scripture and stories um, that they're bringing to life has been a joy for me. And I, I really recommend that if you haven't listened to them, they're on uh, this thing called the internet. We can look it up on the QR code on your phone, on your iPad. Um, they're all listed on there. Um, I will say that I, I listened to Danny's again and I'm still chewing on, on mercy in regards to how I parent my kids. And I love that. Um, I listened to Brady's again, and I, I will admit, when I heard it in person, I, the moment he started talking about the product of the son, I was like, 
ooh, I've heard that a lot. I've taught from that a lot. Who knows what I'm going to get? And there was a whole new perspective that was brought to me. Um, I listened to, I re-listened, well, I didn't re-listen. I listened to Tyler's for the first time because I wasn't here live, unfortunately. Um, and I got two things out of it. One, he listens, or he watches TV shows with F-words. Not <laughs> He's got really dirty feet. That's what I like to have him also. Um, so those were the two things that I received. Yeah. No, I, I'm joking. I'm a big Ted Lasso fan. I'm also a big Tyler Higgins fan. So uh, where are my tired dogs at? Ooh, there we go. Okay. I, I promised myself I would do that. So now we've done that. We can move forward. So uh, today is Halloween. And... Um, I think it's in my like in my previous uh, job. I was a uh, young life area director, and I would share the gospel with kids on a weekly basis. And I think the thing that was comfortable for me was to share like an embarrassing moment or story to kind of go, "This is me at maybe my worst, and here it is," so that you guys can go, "Oh man, that's it's got to get better from there." So I'm going to do that today and share a little uh, little story about. Uh, preteen middle school Ryan Moats. Uh, it's 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 a that's a doozy. Um, so I well, well let's back up. I'm not wearing a Halloween costume, and that's intentional because I wanted to present my Halloween costume to you all. So I am. Let's see if I can do this perfectly. Okay, these, this is my office fans right here. I did this for the youth group Halloween party. I am three hole punch Ryan now. As you can see, anybody that watches The Office will get that reference. If you don't understand it, I will give you my login, and you can watch all of The Office because it is worth it. It's worth it. Um, anyway, so Halloween has never been my favorite holiday. Let me share why. So middle school Ryan, or right around middle school Ryan, um, was too cool for school at that, that, that age where you go, I do not... I don't, I don't want to trick or treating with my little sisters. I have two younger sisters, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to dress up like. Uh, and this is my my guilty guilty pleasure was that I I wore a Red Ranger Red Power Ranger costume for years until it was like uncomfortably tight, um, <laughs> really. And uh, my mom, being the sweetheart she is, took her sewing machine out and like took out parts of the, the costume and then stretched it out longer and was like. I've got it ready for you this year. And I, I was at the year where I go, Mom, I'm too cool for that. Like, I can't I can't be seen in a Power Ranger costume. I've got to go hang out with my friends. So I, I let her down easy and said, I've got to do this. And so I went out with my friends. I was wearing, um, if any of the uh, like 90s kids will, will get this reference, the ghost face um, from Scream, that mask with the blood in it. I had one of those. I was super excited to wear it. I just wore a regular outfit. And then that. So we go out. <laughs> Heck of a costume. Um, we go out, and um, I just a little sidebar. I, I don't like to be scared. I, I'm not one that likes to be startled. I don't know how many people are, but I just really don't like that. Um, so we get to a house that I've seen that was nearby, but we drove by many times, uh, that had kind of that haunted pathway to get to the candy. I go, man, this is not going to be good. And basically, what a haunted pathway at Halloween, for um, all intents and purposes, is just parents trying to scare the scare the piss out of some like little kids, right? Well, long story short, it worked. 
I walked through, and somebody startled me, and I, I peed a little bit. I do remember this. I was wearing white denim, like a lot of kids back then, so very obvious. Um, I immediately turned away from the group and just kind of stood there. Uh, the silver lining of the story is that I had a really amazing best friend. His name was JJ. And JJ uh, did this amazing thing for me. He, he grabs his sweatshirt, puts it around his waist, like the normal, I don't know if that's a normal, but puts it around his waist, ties it around, and then flips it around so that the sweatshirt part's covering the front. And then he goes, do the same. And I go, okay, fine, do that. And then he goes up to the group and he goes, we're the backwards boys. And we're heading back to Ryan's house to party. And I was like, yeah, we're going to go, go back to my house. I was like, but you guys aren't invited because I, I need space. So <laughs> we head back. Um, and we're at my, at my house. And again, this is just how everything kind of goes in circle. It it's, it's funny how this all works out because I just told my sisters I was too cool to go trick-or-treating with them. And then I come back, and in my excitement, telling JJ he's the best, my sweatshirt falls off, my sisters see that I beat myself, and they're just pointing and laughing like I thought all my friends were going to do. And then by the end of the night, I was wearing a Red Ranger Power Ranger costume, <laughs> too small in all the areas. It did look really muscular, though, so that was awesome, and I got to trick or treat with my sisters. So, okay, let me take a beat. That was a lot. Okay. Um, let's pray because now I have to bridge the gap between me as a middle schooler peeing my pants to understanding God's empathy uh, and, and for all of us. So there's a, there's a large gap to get through, so we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning. Uh, we thank you that you are a God that is with us and for us. Uh, I pray this morning that you would speak through me, uh, that you would give me the wisdom and the words to share of your empathy. Um, and your understanding for us. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. All right. So, I am going to, um, I, I, again, I, like I said, I get the privilege of sharing about empathy, which is something that I really, I, I love. I'm not always great at it, um, but I get to uh, try to articulate God's empathy uh, for us and how he can demonstrate that through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, instead of me trying to trip over my words to articulate the essence of empathy, uh, Amber and I were watching uh, or were talking about this topic for a while, and she she reminded me that there was a Brene Brown video. Who she's an author, scholar, social worker, you name it. She is amazing. She put together a video about empathy, and we're going to share. I'm going to share that with us this morning. So take a listen. So what is empathy, and why is it? very different than sympathy. Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's, a, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions where empathy is relevant and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space where someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, 
I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, I'm down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, it's bad, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, no, you want a sandwich? Sympathy uh, is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I have a, yeah. And we do it all the time. Because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So I had a miscarriage. At least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. Uh, like I said, Brene Brown has a way with her words uh, that just articulate empathy really, really well. Uh, but the thing, and there's a ton that we could unpack from that specific video, but the thing that I just kept hearing every time I, I watched it, again, in, in preparation for this, uh, was the line at the, the beginning of it that said, empathy is feeling with people. Let's say that again. Empathy is feeling with people. When I think of empathy and, the, and that specific sentiment, um, the person that emulates that best or gives us a visual of how to do that well is always Jesus, right? Um, and so we're gonna we're gonna move to John 11, 1 through 44. I'm gonna read the whole passage, but um, this is obviously the scripture where uh, Jesus is interacting with uh, the, the death of Lazarus. So we're going to find ourselves there. So if you want to uh, probably use your phone, maybe your Bible, and get to that section. I just want to give a quick disclaimer. I claim not to be a, uh, a theologian, somebody that is well-versed and understands the scriptures uh, through and through. Um, but my hope, just like in all the other series and teachings, is that you glean something from this from the Lord, that you would hear um, how he has empathy for you and he wants to be with you and he wants to teach us how to do that with others. And that's really what we're trying to hear in this. Okay, so uh, we start this passage, we start in this passage and learn that Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary, was gravely sick. He was ill. And then we um, we learn also that the, the sisters sent out a message to Jesus. And they say, Master, the one you love so very much is sick. It's in verse 3. Um, this is this is where we're kind of throwing our first curveball because, I mean, if you hear that your friend is ill and sick and, and dying, you typically drop everything and, and move to action and go. And and Jesus doesn't do that in this moment. And there's a reason behind it, but he, he doesn't. He says, we're going to stay where we're at right now. 
And the reason that he says that or does that is because he says in verse 4, the sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's Son. Which, I mean, again, we could, we could take time to unpack that all as well. Um, but he has a purpose for this. I mean, he has a reason for doing what he does uh, in this moment. And then against the concerns of the disciples in this moment that have told him, like, hey, we shouldn't go back to Judea. Like, we shouldn't go back here because the Jews are, are kind of pressing in and they, they want to they harm you, they want to kill you, they want to hurt you. We have concerns. We, we don't want to go back. We don't want you to go back. And even though he hears those things, he goes, no, we're going to go back now. And so that's what they do. They head back. And by this time, um, we pick up Lazarus has already been, been dead for four days. We find this out. And obviously that's a, that's a big blow, but Jesus obviously knows this. Um, and he's confronted uh, first by Martha, who, um, again, I, I would say kind of confronts him in this moment with her concerns. And it says, why didn't you come to heal my brother? Why didn't, why didn't you come earlier? Right? And, and Jesus hears this, and this is his response. He said, your brother will be raised up. Again, uh, in the moment, that might, be, that might have been confusing to understand, but, but Martha here um, responds, and this is me kind of paraphrasing it. It says, yeah, I know that the resurrection will come at the end, at the end and like the rest of us, and, and he will raise up, just like all of us. But I think, and the way that I read it, I'm like, oh man, she's speaking to the hurt that's there in that moment and going, yeah, I get it, but like, what about now? Like, what about now? Because this, this hurts. This sucks. Um, Jesus challenges this notion and shares that he's talking about right now. So he doesn't say, no, like, I'm not talking about in the future when uh, when we will all rise and, and death will have no toll on us and we will live, right? He's talking about right now. Like, I'm going to do a work at this this moment. Um, and I, I love that Jesus, this, this kind of uh, moment between Martha and Jesus, that he gives us space to feel what we need to feel and to um, express what we need to express. And, and that's, I think, the beauty of any time that we go through struggles or at least for me, I need to be able to have that moment to go, why, Jesus? Why? Why do we have to deal with this? Why do I have to deal with this? And then he wraps back around to us after we get that moment to share truth. And that's what he does with Martha at this moment. Okay, so after this interaction, Martha then goes and gets her sister married and tells her, Jesus is asking for you. So Mary runs out, and everyone that's around sees that she's running towards something, and they assume that she's in, in grief or is grieving and is heading towards the tomb, heading towards Lazarus to, to mourn the loss of her brother. And so they follow her. Uh, and so you've got a crowd of people with uh, Mary at this point, and she falls at Jesus' feet. And this is what it says in verse 32. Master, if, I, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. Again, that's in verse 32. When Jesus saw her, Mary, and this is uh, in the message translation, sobbing, and the Jews were sobbing. They're crying. They're, they're mourning, right? A deep anger welled up in within him, and he was troubled. He was deeply troubled, it says. And he said, where did, you, where did you put him? Speaking of Lazarus. Again, this is in verse 33 and 34. 
they told him, Lord, come and see. And this, I, I consider this the mic drop moment in this story, uh, the one where I read it and go, whoa. Uh, in verse 35, it says that Jesus wept. Simple line, right? Jesus wept. Then he wept. But powerful statement, right? He feels with them. That line that we, that we said, empathy is feeling with people. Jesus does that. In that moment, he goes, I can't hold this in. I feel this. I experience this. I want to weep with you. We don't always do this well. <laughs> I don't always do this well um, for many different reasons, but um, I just, I, I want to highlight that that was an important moment, and that's, we're going to pause right there because um, I really kind of do want to kind of unpack what that really meant there. Um, Jesus knows that Lazarus' death, like we said, would ultimately bring glory to his, to his father and to him, right? And that, but he still was in that moment deeply moved. It was that, that, that anger, that frustration, the feelings that he had to feel still came out, right? And then he wept alongside the sisters and, the, and his friends. And he wept for their sorrow. He felt their pain. And he did that alongside them. Again, I think what's crazy about this moment is that, again, he knows the end. He knows what the end result to the story. He, he has the ultimate spoiler warning just like kind of in his back pocket, knowing I'm going to bring Lazarus back to death, or back, from, back to life. Sorry if you haven't read that story and I just ruined it for you. I apologize. I'm hoping that you read it. Um, but he knows. He knows that this uh, this mourning and this sorrow is going to turn to uh, joy and ju jubilation because of the life that's uh, that the life that he's bringing back to uh, to life within Lazarus. He knows that he's going to get to celebrate that, and yet he doesn't skip over all of the other stuff. He doesn't say, well, I could fix this. Boom. It's done. Let's just get to partying <laughs> and celebrate that he's here. He, he goes, I want to be with you from this point forward. Again, I think this is the true embodiment of that line. Empathy is feeling with people. Um, and he, Jesus does this throughout the Gospels, not just in this account. And he, again, wanted to experience this deep connection with his dear friends because he cared for them and cared about how they felt in this moment. Um, we also are encouraged by Paul in Romans 12, 15, uh, as believers that we should rejoice uh, with those that rejoice and weep with those who weep. Uh, two things in that. One, I think that when we think of empathy, and I, I'm going to speak to like pain and hurt and how we need to stand alongside one another in that, but empathy also expresses how we can celebrate, right? When there's life given and we see something that's worth celebrating, do that. Do that with your friends. Do that with your family. Do that with strangers. Like we're called to do that as well. But I love that he also just said, says, weep with those that weep. Don't ignore it. Okay. So as we um, acknowledge that Jesus gives us a clear example of empathy, I, I would be remiss if I didn't explain um, how Jesus avoided some of the misses of empathy. And 
Um, I'm going to use a lot of reference to Brene Brown because she's amazing. She's got a ton of, uh, of um, understanding of this and knowledge that she shares. And so she talks about empathy misses. Um, okay, so empathy misses. Um, there's a there's a list of them, and I think that Jesus again does a, a tremendous job of avoiding these kind of pitfalls. And I am going to be the first to admit I fall into these traps multiple times when when being with people, when caring for for my friends, my family, my kids, my coworkers, all all, all the folks. Um, and those misses are sympathy versus empathy, which we saw in the video. Sympathy is the oh man, that's rough. And then it kind of ends there. Like, man, that's hard. That sucks. Let's step aside and let you deal with that. That's not what we're supposed to do, right? And Jesus doesn't do that. I mean, he he hears the pain and hurt in, in Martha and Mary and experiences it with them. So there's another one called the Gatsman Awe, which is kind of like watching a, a train wreck from afar where you're kind of like, I don't want to look, but I do, and I don't, and, but I'm also not helping. Again, it's that distance and space that um, sympathy is sympathy's not a bad thing, but if you just let sympathy be the only thing, it's not the greatest. Then we have the mighty fall, which is the judgmental piece of this where you go, man, I could I have saw that coming. Or that person may or may not have deserved that. I mean, it, it, unfortunately, we fall into that trap. Um, I know I'm, I'm guilty of that. Then we have the block and tackle. I like the names that she gave these things. Um, and that is attempting to keep yourself and, the, and that person that's experiencing hardship away from the pain. Right? Like, oh, man, that situation's terrible. Let's move you over here. Let's give you a healthy distraction. Let's, let's avoid this at all costs because that's too hard to deal with. For myself and for you. Then the last one, or not the last one, the second to last one, the boots and shovel, which is where I land most of the time in my marriage. It's the, the fixer. Um, when there's a problem or an issue between us or our kids, um, I'm one that really quickly wants to respond and fix it. And my wife can appreciate that maybe one out of ten times. But most of the time, she's like, just let me feel what I need to feel, and let me tell you how I'm feeling. And we're 10 years into marriage, and I'm still learning that, so I just bared that to everybody, so now I'm held accountable. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Okay, so, and the last one, the last one is, if you think that's bad, which is comparison and diminishing somebody else's feeling in that moment, right? It's like, well, if you think that's bad, well, I dealt with this last year, and it was super hard. Or, oh, man, so-and-so had that issue a year ago, and, man, I mean, they had it way worse than you. Nobody wants to hear that in a hardship, right? Nobody is going through something that goes, man, that was good for my soul to hear that somebody else just struggled with it way harder. Like, that's not, that's not the comfort, that's not the support that we, uh, we need to give our brothers and sisters. Okay, so... Again, I can admit that a handful of times I've been guilty of falling into those traps. Um, and let's see, I, I just got done. This is, a, this is not me diverting from our topic, but I just got done coaching a U7 soccer team, and it was awesome. I did my best Ted Lasso impression, 
Um, just like Ted Lasso, we lost a lot of games, but we had a lot of fun, and uh, it was it was great. But I'm in this mindset where um, we we need to practice skills uh, through like different drills, right? Like we we learn something about what we're doing in a game, and we want to practice get better at it. Um, and, and empathy is like that. Like it's a skill that we have to hone in on, we have to refine, and we have to practice, right? So, there's a couple things, again, that Brene Brown brings up that I think are just worth hearing. Um, that are, are kind of like drills that we can do in our relationships with one another to um, support and love others well. So, number one, see the world as others see it. I'm going to say that again. See the world as others see it. Doesn't mean that you change your viewpoint completely, but at least give yourself a different perspective. Understand where people are coming from, even if you don't completely agree with it. Like, give yourself an opportunity to have a different perspective to, to be able to feel with them in this moment. Number two, do not be judgmental. Again, we talked about that. That's a tough one. I mean, sin just creeps in and makes us insecure about our own selves. And then we start to go, no, oh, I can point out somebody else's insecurities and, and their pitfalls because it's easier to defer to that. Um, we don't want to do that, right? So number three, understand another person's feelings. This can be hard because, again, we have to practice this. Um, but we, if we put ourselves in other people's shoes and we acknowledge that there's pain, that there's suffering, that there's sorrow, that there's celebration, whatever it may be, we, if we can put ourselves in those shoes and just understand it for a moment, we can then help, we can support, we can love. Um, number four, communicate the understanding of that person's feelings. This is what I would say is a part of active listening. This is something that I was really not good at at the beginning of my marriage and in my position in young life because I would, I would listen so that I could give a, a really uh, thorough or clever response. But in these moments, you want to listen and be able to, to then articulate back to them like, hey, I heard you say this, and I heard you say that this is what you're going through, and this is how you're feeling. Is that correct? So communicating with them to understand the pain or, or the emotions that they're going through, asking for clarification in those moments is completely fine. Because you want to, you want to again match the emotions. You want to understand the feelings that somebody's going through, so that you can better love them. Right. The last one, mindfulness. This one, I, I, I had a definition of mindfulness that I kind of knew, but I, I typed in Google search like mindfulness definition, and I don't know if my my search engine is it, kind of like dumped down, but it goes mindfulness definition for children. And that was like the first one. So I was like, yeah, click on it. Let's do this thing. Um, it says, pay attention to what's happening in the present moment. I'll say that again. Pay attention to what's happening in the present moment. So being with somebody in that moment, living in that moment with them, not moving past, not looking back as much, but feeling and experiencing what's going on with that person in the moment. Mindfulness. Okay. Let's take a drink, because this is uh, not going to be a fun part. Not for you guys, for me, uh, luckily. So since this is a safe place, me alone on a stage, uh, bearing my soul to a crowd of people that I'm not sure if they're tracking or not, um, again, safe place. 
Um, I'm going to share a big miss that I had in regards to empathy and, and empathizing with a, a friend. So I, like I said, I was a Young Life leader, uh, Young Life uh, staff person for many, many years here in the area. And one year, I took a group of middle school guys from Monticello uh, to a, a wildlife camp. And it's a week-long experience where they get to they get to play, they get to laugh, they get to cry, they get to experience Jesus, right? And we had this really great group of guys, but I specifically knew of one kid that had a really, really hard life. And I was so excited that he was here with us, right? Because um, he was having so much fun and he was starting to open up day by day. In the evening, you'd hear more and more of his story that was hard. And towards the end of the week, he... In the middle of a, a group of middle school guys goes, Ryan, can we talk outside? I go, of course. Because I, I, he wants to talk to me about his story, right? So we sit on the stairs outside of the room, and he bears some real big hurts, some real pain that he experienced from people that he that he thought were loved ones and different things like that. I, I'm not going to go into details, but really, really hard stuff. And in that moment, my inexperience, my uncomfortableness, my immediate response was, let's move past this and talk about Jesus and how he's going to fix this. Not a bad thing in, its, in itself to share Jesus to somebody that's hurt, right? We know that. That Jesus can respond and he can, he can redeem this situation, right? But in that moment, all that kid wanted was to cry and to weep and say, this sucks. And my response was, no, let's go past that. I didn't do well by him in that moment. I didn't love him in the way that he needed to be loved. I didn't cry with him. I didn't hold him. I shared Jesus, which is amazing, right? Like, we want that. We want that for him. He received that in some way. But I know that it, he, his body language, just his, his response was, oh, man, that was not, that wasn't it. Like you could tell that he was just like, I gave you this and I don't know if I can trust you. And that, that sucked. Like it was a learning experience. I think I went back to all the leaders and was like, I'm an idiot. Like this is not good. Here's how we can learn from this because I don't want to do this again. I don't want to make that mistake. So I can, I can safely say that we all probably understand that pain and sorrow just sucks. It's terrible. It's not fun. Um, but experiencing pain with others is uncomfortable. Experiencing um, pain with others is awkward. We don't know how to deal with it. We don't know how to express like what we need to say, what we don't need to say in those moments. It can be uncomfortable and awkward. Um, and experiencing pain with others is draining. And there's a cost to it. Like if you sit in um, sit in a moment with somebody that's going through a broken relationship or somebody that just lost somebody, you, there's an emotional cost to that, right? Like, we feel that. doesn't mean we shouldn't do it, but the reality is that it's, it, it hurts a little bit for us if we're doing it well, right? So, I think we as Renewal City Church, and um, whether you've been here for a handful of weeks or whether you've been here for years, I think we can all, um, we can say that the Renewal City Church has experienced a lot of, of pain. Um, we've experienced broken relationships. We've experienced illness. 
We've experienced cancer. We've experienced losing loved ones. You name it. If it's excruciatingly painful, we've experienced it. But we've also experienced it together. Right? We've walked alongside each other in those moments. So this, I'm not trying to teach you something that you don't know. You guys have done it so well. I'm trying to remind us, to point us towards that direction. Um, but I know that you can look around the room, you can scan around the room, and there's someone or a group of people that have been with you when it's been crappy. And that's a gift. Okay, so here's me, again, safe place, bearing my soul. The last year and a half has been terrible for me, personally. Like, I've, I've struggled, and the people that are closest to me know that. They, they, they've seen that. Um, I've, uh, in the past year and a half, two years, experienced uh, a loss of, or what I felt like a loss of my purpose or understanding of who I was and what my what my uh, occupation was going to be because my life was young life and ministry and then it was not. And I had to walk through that. Then you throw in a worldwide pandemic. <laughs> I mean, we, have, we all have that experience, right? We've lost people that we've loved. We've seen strife and conflict between people that we care about. We've had to experience isolation in a totally different way. And then the gut punch, the thing that I hate talking about. Hearing that my wife had cancer. To this day, it's the worst moment in my life. I remember like getting the phone call from her boss at work, coming outside, and just feeling like I couldn't breathe. And if I'm honest with you guys again, I don't think I've really regained that breath. That's pain, that's sorrow, it's real. Um, but I don't share this with you just so uh, you can feel bad for me, or cry, or cry with me. I mean, it's good for the soul, so. Take it as it is. Um, but I share this with you because uh, I've also seen empathy played out, not by just Jesus, but by you all towards me. I can point to scripture, I can read the stories and the accounts of the gospel of how Jesus loved us and cared for us and sat with us in these moments, but I can also point to moments of relationships with friends that are family, that have sat with us that have brought us meals, that have loved on our kids, that have wept with us when all we could do was just cry. So pain is an emotion that, that demands a response, though. Like that, even though it's uncomfortable, even though it's awkward, even though it's draining, we still have an obligation. We have a, a um, to, if we're, if we're doing what God calls us to do to love others, we have an obligation to respond in this way. And I, that's what I kind of want to leave us with, is three things that we can do kind of in these moments um, to be better for one another, right? So 
Uh, one is just be available. Make time. Be in proximity of your friends and your family of strangers so that you're nearby when they need somebody to cry on the shoulder of or just share their pains and hurts or celebrate. And I, I, I would be... I would be missing the mark if I didn't ex express how Jesus has, has done that in the Gospels. Um, and we see it throughout it, but specifically I think of the moment of the woman at the well. The way that he would, went out of his way to separate himself from um, the disciples and to take a different path and to go to Samaria where he knew that there was going to be an interaction, that he was going to be near and to be able to sit with this woman. Okay, so then we have... Second one, listen well. I also renamed this as I was uh, getting ready for it, the shut up and listen section. So I think my wife would rename it that as well. Um, sorry, I'm just putting you It's true, though. It's true. Uh, this is the, the just listen. Don't worry about a response. Don't worry about coming up with a clever thing to say back or a hallmark card moment, like I think of those like cheesy cards that have the great, when Tyler said it, but add your moment to it, add your uh, your real heart to it, but those those cheesy lines that we see in it, like nobody really wants to receive that. They just want to be heard when they're hurt. Um, and again, Jesus does this so well for the bleeding woman. He hears her story. Not only does he heal her, he takes time to hear her story. He does this with Zacchaeus. He knows that this man is broken, and he's got a laundry list of things that he's wronged people in, but he invites himself to his home and says, tell me your story. And he takes that time to listen. Okay, so the last one is be extravagant in your love. Again, I think Brady did an amazing job in his teaching and expressing how Jesus um, articulates that, communicates it. And so we're probably, like, if we follow that, like, we're, we're going to do extravagant love well for others. Um, I don't know the context of the person that you may be thinking of or the population of people that you're thinking of that you're like, I need to step in this moment with them. But I do know that we have the Holy Spirit that's going to nudge us in the right direction. Uh, my, my call to you is, or my request of you is to follow in that. Like, be responsive to it. If, if the Lord's nudging you to... Um, to go buy some of these groceries because they're going through some financial hardships, go do that. If the Lord's nudging you to go take some of these kids and babysit them so that they can have a date night because they're having a hard time in their relationship, go do that. Don't think about it. Just do it. If it means writing a heartfelt note to a friend that you haven't talked to in a while or giving a phone call to them, just do it. I'm a big Nike fan, so I got to throw that line in there a couple times. Um, but it, it's it's right. Like, just go after it. If you're getting nudged in that way by the Spirit, that's that's okay. Respond. Okay. So empathy builds trust and increases connect increases connections. Again, empathy is the fuel for true connection. So we do we do a lot of really good things to connect at renewal. We have small groups. We have Bible studies, women and men's Bible studies. We have uh, book clubs, we have yoga in the morning, we have men's basketball that James is always inviting people to. Um, we have a lot of different ways to connect and relate to people. 
but nothing, but all those things kind of pale in comparison to standing in the gap with a brother and sister that's going through something. If you want to build a lifelong relationship with somebody, be with them in those moments because that speaks volumes to how you care for them, how you love them. And I think that I think that's that's kingdom work. That's I mean, being for somebody and with somebody in those moments. That's what we're called to do. If we're called to love others well, that's how we are. Well, that's how we communicate it. That's how we show that. All right, I'm going to leave us with um, another Brene Brown golden nugget before I step off the stage um, and let you guys uh, go through the discussion questions. So this quote is uh, something that I think she kind of she hits on a little bit in the video, but I just thought it was so so, so important to, to restate to you guys. Empathy isn't about fixing. It's the brave choice to be with somebody in their darkness. Not to race to turn the lights, or turn on the lights so that we feel better. I'm gonna say that one more time. Empathy isn't about fixing. It's the brave choice to be with somebody in their darkness. And to not to not race to turn the lights on so that we feel better. So, like I said, there's uh, QR codes that you guys can use your phone to scan. There's a couple discussion questions that I have kind of uh, prompted. Take some time to uh, gather with the people at your table or people nearby you. Um, be open and honest about these questions. I mean, there's just a couple there. Um, and then in a couple minutes, the worship team's going to come back up, and I'll uh, set the table for communion. Thank you, guys.